Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey everybody, welcome to the Profoundly Pointless Podcast. My name is Nick. Today, we're going to be looking into the future. So I think the major cultural shift we're going to see changing over the next decade or so is people starting to realize that the baseline biology that they're born with doesn't need to be what they live and die with. You know, the ultimate goal is to be mundane. The ultimate goal, when the future arrives on your doorstep, it needs to feel like Tuesday. So you could like do upside down tricks and fling it around in the air and it wouldn't lose any of its rotation. Wow, I sound like a complete fucking nerd there. I was shocked both by the fact that you knew it and the extent of your yo-yo knowledge. Both of those were horrifying to me. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I think that this is the most profound episode that we've ever done. Just talking to our guests, they said some things that really made me think about what the world is going to be like a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, and moving forward. We're going to be talking to two futurists because it's almost 2019, and I think it's a great time to look at what the world is going to be like. Ryan O'Shea, who's a futurist, he's an artificial intelligence researcher and a biotechnology developer who also hosts the podcast Future Grind, and Brian David Johnson, who's a professor at Arizona State University, he's an applied futurist, and he's an author who wrote the book Wizards and Robots along with Will I Am, that Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas. Also, this This conversation is going to be structured a little bit differently than we normally do. You're going to hear from Ryan first and then Brian David Johnson. And we're going to have like a brief introduction. Then I'm going to ask a question and you hear both of those answers. Ryan again is going to be the first one. Brian David Johnson will be the second one. That's just based solely on the order that I talked to them in. How did you become a futurist? So a futurist is a kind of funny thing. I feel kind of, you know, you don't want to call yourself a futurist. So what does that even mean? But what I do is I focus my time researching emerging science and technologies and trying to see which of them are going to be put in practice over the next few coming years or decades. And how is that going to impact humanity going forward? I really feel like we're getting into that area of technology where now we have to start asking Should we be doing this? Yeah, I think that's something that we've been asking for a long time already. You look at things like uh, nuclear power and nuclear weapons. Uh, These are bridges that humanity already crossed and were big issues we need to decide about how we want to move forward. We're doing that a lot now with medicine. You know, in the 90s, stem cell therapy was, was big, controversial topic in the United States, and it still is today. And now we're looking at things like cloning and genetic enhancements and tampering with the DNA of crops and animals and our food supply. When it comes to that kind of stuff, do you think that we fully understand the ramifications of what we're doing? No. I don't think we understand fully the ramifications of anything. I mean, looking at water, for example, right? We think water is a safe, healthy thing, but theoretically, no, I don't believe this, but theoretically, After 130 years of exposure, water could kill us all, right? We don't know that because no human has lived to 130 to experience 130 years of exposure to water. So we're kind of making guesses, educated guesses, about all of these things. How often are you or other futurists, are you usually right? (laughs) Well, I can can tell you, um, if you ask my students, they have analyzed a book that I wrote called Screen Future, and it was about the work that I was doing back in 2005, and the book is about the far-off and distant future of 2015. And they analyzed that book, and it was really about the future of television and where television was going, and that we'd be watching TV on our phones 
and on our laptops, and we'd be, we'd be using anything that had a screen to be able to connect with people. And if you, they analyze the book, and they'll tell you I got it about 96% correct. So it's definitely not like looking into a crystal ball kind of a thing. It's a little bit more scientific than that, I take it. It's a bit more scientific, but also it's a bit more engineering-based. And what I mean by that is because I'm an applied futurist. And there's lots of different types of futurists. There are sociological futurists. There are big visionary futurists. I really just look 10 years out and work with organizations to model positive and negative futures and figure out what we need to do to get there. So as an applied futurist, I'm not just saying, I believe this is what the future could look like. I'm then working with organizations to go about and build that future. Getting into some of the questions that we sent you and that people sent to us, in the next year, what do you think is going to be the thing that is going to be changing? Like, what does 2019 look like? The, the big stuff we're going to see in the coming years, 2019 included, is kind of the things that are starting to take effect now really ramping up. We already have artificial intelligence assistants that we're bringing into our homes with Alexa and Siri and Google Home. We're sharing more and more of our data with these devices, with our computers, with our cell phones. What I am excited to see and what is coming soon is when these devices all start communicating with one another and sharing information and helping us kind of live our lives in a way that is mediated by technology so that we can focus on what we want to do and things like the shopping lists and remembering where you parked your car and remembering your appointments are taken care of by our technology to free us up. Beyond that, other things like virtual reality is starting to gain a mainstream market appeal. That'll introduce a whole new market to virtual reality, and I think this is really one of those things that's going to impact how we entertain ourselves, how we educate ourselves, how we do all of these things and interact socially going forward. Well, as we move into 2019, we're going to see things like artificial intelligence, and when I say that, it's autonomy, digital autonomy. So that would be autonomy digitally, where you have algorithms going out and doing work, or you might have physical autonomy as well, where you have self-driving cars, um, you have uh, self-driving semi-trucks, you have, we already have ghost fleets now where you have self-driving boats. So I think you'll begin to see these autonomous technologies coming more and more to the forefront. Are we in any kind of position now where we could see a bigger leap forward in the next year or two than we have in the past? Typically, that depends less on technology and more on us. It's the decision that we have to make. I tell many people we could have self-driving cars right now. What do you think is going to be the biggest change that we could be facing in, say, the next, the next decade? Like, what is the next thing that you think this is going to revolutionize society? One thing that I am greatly passionate about, and we're seeing the early and controversial steps to it now, is human enhancement. You know, we for decades, centuries, millennia, had the medical industry. And the medical industry has been focused on taking people who are arbitrarily considered sick or disabled and bringing them up to an equally arbitrary definition of healthy or able-bodied. But we're now starting to realize that with these devices, like prosthetic limbs and with enhancement drugs and with gene editing and engineering and gene therapy, we can take baseline humans beyond that and overcome biological limitations. And a lot of people are asking, if we can do that, should we? And if we can do that, who has access to these technologies and who doesn't? So I think the major cultural shift we're going to see changing over the next decade or so is people starting to realize that the baseline biology that they're born with doesn't need to be what they live and die with. It's not a single technology. It's a constellation of technologies. So as we talked about artificial intelligence, robotics, certainly the Internet of Things, so the ability to turn anything into a computer, uh, smart cities, so at, at the macro level, being able to have cities that are smart and connected as well. And when you put all those together, you have something that I like to call, we, we will begin to see the rise of sentient tools. And so these are tools that are, number one, aware, they're sort of physically and culturally aware. Number two, they can think, they have artificial intelligence. But most importantly, the third thing is that they're social. They'll know us as individuals. We'll be able to act and interact with them, not as machines, but to be more human. It will allow us to be more human. And they'll know 
if we're tired. They'll know our family and they'll know our friends and we've got a lot of security we have to work on around that. But it's really gonna actually make our machines far more capable of interacting with us like human beings. This is the thing that I've always thought is completely ridiculous about technology. For the last 25 years, we have turned ourselves into machines so that we can act and interact with technology. We've used a keyboard. And a keyboard is a ridiculous way. There's nothing human about a keyboard. And finally, we're moving into a time where we can use voice, we can use our proximity, we can actually use the things that are really make us human to interact with machines. What do you think is going to be the biggest threat not necessarily to our survival, but just to our way of life. I think the less the less fancy ones are the ones we're actually going to face. Things like global warming, things like nuclear war, and tensions within humanity ourselves. If anyone's going to end humanity, it's going to be us, and it's because we make stupid decisions and we don't do what we know we need to do. One of the things that scares me the most is when people become passive. We all need to be active participants in our future, whether it be for our, our lives, for our family, for our community, for our state, for our country, for the world. That we can't sit back and let the future happen to us, because that's where we get into trouble. And then the flip side of that is when we forget that it's about humans. I think you can see uh, business decisions, you can see technology decisions, you can see regulatory and legislative decisions that when we forget that ultimately it's about us. It really is about people, and if we take humans out of the center, that's, that's what really worries me. Will robots take over the Earth? I think robots can take over the Earth, and I don't think that's such a bad thing, right? I guess the question is, what will happen to humanity in that situation? If you ask me, I would say humans should merge with the robots. Let's go ahead and have them be a part of us. Let's turn ourselves, as some would say, I guess, into cyborgs. Let's not fight the machines. The machines can be us they can all be us no Are you... <laughs> here's what i can tell you so i build robots right i'm a roboticist and so i joke with people to say look if you don't want the robots to rise up and take over the world don't download the world domination app it's very simple like again we have to remember that robots are tools and that, again, why are we making them and what are we optimizing them for? And we need to make sure, just like with any technology, that we're aware of unintended consequences. But no, because the reason why they're not, they're not going to take over the world is because we're going to design them so that they don't. This kind of worries me, and I don't know when it's going to happen. Worries me in the sense that people, I feel like they have to have a purpose. And in some senses, work is really what gives them that purpose. And I think that we're coming into this future where there's going to be a large percentage of the people that are not going to be working. How do you think that can we handle that? Do we need like a universal basic income? Yeah, the labor market is completely changing. Self-driving cars are going to put drivers and truck drivers and taxi drivers and Uber drivers out of work. We have already have automated cashiers in online systems where you can get goods and services without interfacing with a human. So humans are losing their jobs. But I think that's a good thing. I don't want people to be slaves to their, their bellies and their education and their lodging and housing to have to do something a machine can do just so they can justify their right to live. So I, you mentioned universal basic income there. I think that's definitely something we should experiment with. Let's see what happens when we give people the amount of money, or maybe it's not even money. Maybe it's just the resources they need to survive. How do they spend their time? A lot of people think they might waste it away playing video games or with recreation, but I don't think that's how it's going to be. I know that if I had unlimited funds and unlimited resources, I would spend my time exploring and making discoveries and learning more. I think that's what drives us as humans, and I don't think we need to have a paycheck-given job to do that. I think that's just part of what we do. Machines have always taken over tasks for human beings. Right? I, I like to, to tell folks, when you use your washing machine to do laundry, do you weep for the washerwomen who used to beat rocks in the streams to clean clothes? No, of course not. Right? That's the idea, is that we use machines to free us up so that we can do other things. And I think that's the thing we can't forget as a culture and, and as people, that in, human beings are inherently curious and we're inherently social. And the funny thing about work is that it's not finite. There's not a sum total of work, and then if the machines then do all the work, then we will have nothing to do. 
So that's one of the things that we're always going to create more things to do and other things to do. And the thing that one of the reasons why I'm sort of do the work that I do, especially in education, is to say, how do we make sure that we are now educating the next generation of workers so that they can take advantage of these technologies and do more work. And when I say next generation of workers, what I mean by that is not just that really smart 16-year-old that she's coming through high school, but also that 26-year-old, that 36-year-old, that 46-year-old, and all the way up, that we're starting to create that. And that's one of the things that we're not doing. Which one of these are we getting first, jetpacks or flying cars? I'm not sure we're going to get either of those. I'm interested in the flying car model there, mainly because that would get rid of the issue of roads and everything, right? Let's take care of these problems. Jetpacks, they seem a little bit unwieldy to me. Could have a lot of problems there. Hopefully neither. <laughs> because, I don't know, have you ever been around a real jetpack? It's It's really dangerous. I mean, you are essentially strapping fire and explosives to your back. Probably right. not you, the best idea. Have you ever driven on a highway during rush hour? Believe me, we do not want to put those things up in the air and have them flying around each other. This is very worrisome. Which movie do you think shows the most realistic version of the future? Like, okay, that could really be what it looks like. I can tell you what I would want it to be. Okay. Uh, I think I'd want it to be some of the original Star Trek series, right? Where you have this kind of like, utopian society where people are kind of have this technology that helped them live out their lives in the way that they want to and they're exploring the universe what i think might actually happen is more of the eco disaster films where you see an apocalyptic wasteland because people couldn't control their own greed in their work to, to make things better so a lot of these post-apocalyptic films that are very popular now things like the fallout video game series that could be the world we might be heading towards. Uh, I think we need to avoid that, though. I think there's two. One is more near-term, and that's the Spike Jones movie, Her. So this is a, um, a bit of a romance, actually, between uh, a human male and what they call an operating system, but it was really artificial intelligence. And so he has um, a relationship, and in it, um, the way the world looks the way that they talks about machine intelligence, because what happens in it, it's quite a beautiful story because it's showing how a man is broken. He's emotionally broken and how he can use this technology to actually make himself better. Um, it, it also, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert, um, for me, it, I think better represents what the technological singularity might look like when machine intelligence surpasses human intelligence, because I don't believe that the machines will kind of destroy all humanity. Because in this movie, what happens is when the machines get smarter than human beings, they just break up with us. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then a little bit further out, I'm a huge fan of Interstellar. Uh, and the reason why is because when they were um, making Interstellar, they were working very closely with physicists and scientists. And actually, the, vis the visualizations in that movie... Um, are better than some of the scientific visualizations that they've done of black holes and of space travel. And I've, I've heard and talked to many physicists who have said that seeing that, that they thought that that is the actual way that it will look. Ultimately, do you think technology is a good or a bad thing? Or are we the problem with technology necessarily? I think technology itself is an undeniable good. Now, technology is only a tool, though. It all depends on how it's used, and we could use it for good or bad. At the same time, we're giving – technology gives people who want to cause harm more power to do so. And when we're talking about things like uh, bioengineering diseases and nuclear weapons and things like that, you could have a small group or even an individual, as technology increases, have the power to commit extreme acts of violence. That's something we need to be conscious of. The answer is both. And the reason is because it's really not about technology. That technology is just a tool, right? And the tool doesn't get to decide what it wants to do. And, again, it's about humans deciding. But the really difficult thing, right, a hammer is just a hammer. It's not really very interesting. Human beings, we love to fetishize our tools. We love to obsess about them. We create whole big box stores that are filled with tools. But it's really not about the tools. It's what you can use the tool to do. But the problem is that you can't create a tool like you, like a hammer. You can't create a hammer sufficient enough to drive a nail 
that also isn't sufficient enough to bash somebody's head in. And so we're always going to have this gray area of what we use technology for. What is your secret boldest prediction for the future? Like the thing that you kind of think could happen, but you wouldn't necessarily want to tell anybody because somebody might say, oh man, that's out there. There are a lot of media articles out in the last year or so talking about microchip implants that a lot of people are getting. And there's a lot of fear in people that this could be a new world order kind of government controlled thing where either corporations or governments themselves are controlling you. I don't think any of that is going to happen, but I think a lot of this fear around implants is going to be replaced by people understanding the desire for implants and what they can do for us. So I would say in the next 10, 20 years, especially the the children, the younger generation that's growing up now, they are going to have and actively seek and want implanted devices in their body. So this is going to be a culture shift where a lot of the people who are, you know, 30 and above now might be concerned and scared and not want these things in their bodies. But it's generational. And the kids that are growing up now are going to see the benefits of these things and want them. So most people that are alive in the next few decades are going to have non-medical augmentative implantations inside their bodies. I kind of feel like this either... We're at the stage, well, not just now, but I kind of feel like moving forward, it's all going to go really good or really bad. I I totally agree. It could go one way or the other, and I'm actively working for option one in that situation. I want it to go for the good, but I think we need more people getting involved to make that the case. And it's the most unpopular thing for me to say as a futurist. Like, I shouldn't be saying this at all. Like, and your, 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 your listeners are not going to like it. Okay. So you might just want to shut the podcast off. Now. Get, Let's just do that. I'm Let's just off. shut the podcast off. <laughs> you're, make, you're making me a little bit nervous right now. <laughs> and, it's the, and it's the dirty little secret about the future. That the future is going to look a lot like today. Really, nothing's going to change? No, it's not that nothing's going to change. It's just what will the future look like? Meaning, so if you think about... 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 100 years ago, you know, we were living in houses, you know, we're driving cars, you know, the way that society looked and the way we moved about it was all kind of the same. You think about like the houses people have, I don't know, you know, it depends upon where you live, but many people pay a lot of money to live in a house that's really old, Yeah, that, that, has, that has value. Because the thing is, is humans also value history as much as we value the future. And to be quite honest, if you walked out of your door and all of a sudden everything had changed and it was now a science fiction movie, that's awful. That's terrible. It turns out human beings don't like change at all. Is, is there anything, though, that you, that you could see coming that could really change that? Yes, and that is when the... The, the barrier between biology and technology begins to come down. But what I sort of put, push people to and why I think it is unimaginably awesome is because we can't even imagine what we would do with all that technology. If you could begin to move seamlessly between the digital and the, the biological world where everything just becomes data now. I want to thank Ryan O'Shea and Brian David Johnson so much for joining us. I had a fascinating time just listening to them i'm pretty worried though that i screwed this up by kind of messing with the format so what we're going to go ahead and do is i'm going to take the raw interviews with both of them and put them up on youtube that's going to be on the profoundly pointless page if you want to connect with us we're profoundly pointless on facebook instagram and twitter and we've linked to both ryan o'shea and brian david johnson They are constantly putting out new stuff that's not only something that is going to make you think, but also just stuff that I find just inherently fascinating. Because I think you always have to be looking down the road. Someone who does not look down the road is John Shull. And we're going to be calling him in a second. But first, I wanted to give... I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our listeners, David Lutkowski. He was not happy about my personal top five toy list that we did last episode. And what he said was this, that it would be like making a list of the best beers 
and then putting Zima as number one. Why didn't I also put in things like grass, dust bunnies, pine cones, those red sticks that came with those cheese and cracker snack packs, and couch cushions? We love hearing from you guys. And if it's if we find it particularly interesting, we're going to start featuring things on the show. Okay, so now we're going to go ahead and give John Shull a call, and we're not going to be messing around here, because there's a lot of things that he said that he was going to do, that he promised us that he was going to do, and that people asked him again and again and again to do, and he has refused to do them with no reason provided whatsoever. So we're going to get some answers. Well, this is a, this is a surprise. How, how is this a surprise? I did not expect to be getting a phone call from one of Santa's little elves today. I understand that you want to open up with jokes, but the fact of the matter <laughs> is, the fact of the matter is, is that our listeners have been crying out for something, and you've you've refused to do it, and we want to know why. That that's how we're gonna start off this uh, this episode. That's what people are demanding it, and we just want an answer as to why you refuse to make a yo-yo tricks video. You know, there there's uh, several reasons, uh, all of which I cannot disclose in a public forum. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to um, divert all calls and, and inquiries to our communications department. Well, as a repre- uh, as a representative as a representative of the communications department, I can say that there's only one reason you're scared to do it. <laughs> don't tell me. Don't tell me. That's going to be because you don't think that I can do it. I, if you can do it, then I don't know why you wouldn't do it. The only reason that I would imagine that you have not made the Yo-Yo Tricks video, which over 80% of people have demanded that you do, is because you're scared. The pathetic, sad reasoning of it all is my Yo-Yos are at my parents' house. How far away is your parents' house from you? Well, is that relevant? Yeah, it is. It's very very relevant because the fact that you laughed at it points to me that it's less than 10 miles. Uh, no, I'd say it's just a little over three, probably. So you could essentially, you could run there if you really wanted to. <laughs> well, let's, let's hold off on the term run. But yes, I could make it there in a timely fashion. Do you drive by it on the way to and from work or to the grocery store? Not at all. So it is, in your justification, justification it is a little out of the way. I'm kind of teaching all of our, our viewers a lesson. Not everything is about, you know, instant gratification. Some things, some some things that are great, you have to wait a little bit for. So you're saying that this will be great? It, it will happen, it, and I will amaze everybody. I, I have, I'm going to come up with tricks that no one's even heard of. All right, here's the other big confrontational item. Oh, boy. Who wins in a fight, fire truck, ambulance? fire truck yeah i think the fire truck takes it pretty easily honestly did you know that the screaming hairy armadillo screams when it gets scared <laughs> uh, i love I, I absolutely love the animal pick of the week which Scream- is fantastic this is the screaming hairy armadillo do you want to hear it No, you generally just see their back. I don't think I've really ever gone eye to eye with an armadillo. What do you have in terms of the Fast Five? Because I feel like I have some issues with the Fast Five. You always do. And then I'm going to try to, I try to adhere it and change it to what you want. And then you have different issues with it. So what, what are your issues? Well, last time you had five straight facts. I like some of the facts, but I also like some topics mixed into that. I don't know if I, if I agree with you on that. I mean, I want I mean, you to. We kind of talked about National Dingling Day for quite a bit, if I remember right. Did what did you do for and National Dingling Day? You promised that something was going to happen. I don't feel like it did. Oh uh, yeah, n- 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 nothing happened. I didn't even I didn't even call anybody. But this is the concern with the yo-yo video: is that really we are never going to get it because you promise big things and then don't deliver. You know. But you should know better than most anyone in my entire life. That you don't deliver, yes. No, I don't deliver when you pressure me. But then... I, I, already, I already said that it has to come naturally. You know, I, I gotta feel it. I gotta get the right yo-yo. It has to have the right 
Uh, you know, it has to have the right finger, uh, you know, strap on it. I might have to light up. I don't know. We'll see. Don't make me bust out my Dunkin' yo-yo, which costs like 100 bucks. all right? What's the most you've ever spent on a yo-yo? Probably on the Dunkin'. It was, back in the day, and I'm sure they still make them, it, it was called a Dunkin' Freehand Yo-Yo, and it was like 89 bucks. What made it special? Uh, so, uh, I can't believe, <laughs> can't believe we're having this discussion, but... The thing about yo-yos is the uh, cylinder in the middle, you know, the apparatus that, like, releases, you know, the string, and, you know, and and you that that's the main ticker for all the tricks. Some of them have bearings in them, some of them are weighted, blah, blah, blah. This one had, uh, it was called freehand, because basically it was equal pressure on all sides, so you could, like, do upside-down tricks and fling it around in the air, and it wouldn't lose any of its rotation. Wow, I sound like a complete fucking nerd there. I was shocked, both by the fact that you knew it and the extent of your yo-yo knowledge. Both of those were right, horrifying well, anyways, to me. I think I just took a step back in my life. I'm pretty sure I did. Here, all, all I can say is that you, along with the rest of our loyal fan base, will have a yo-yo video by the first of the year. That's what I will promise. Here. All right, let's get to it. Let's I get to the Fast Five. John's Fast Five. John's Fast Five. John's Fast Five. My God! My God! In a second. Wait. This isn't going to work while he's out awake. You know that, right? So, my, the Fast Five this week is, is, you know, we're going after a guy in a big red suit. You probably know who is who he is. His name's Santa fucking Claus. So let's start off our list with a Santa Claus over in Cambridgeshire, England, who was removed from uh, a store after there had been a smoke alarm that went off. And this Santa, instead of keeping cool like most Santas should do, he, he, he throws the kid off his lap, takes off his beard and his hat, and start swearing at the parents and everyone to get the F out of the store. Meanwhile, security video, which you can see online, I'm told, uh, shows Santa the first one out of the store while swearing at people to leave. That's a great Santa. So he just <laughs> bails on all the kids and just first one out the door? According, uh, according to a parent that was there, uh, and this is quotes, my friend's little boy was so upset at the smoke alarm that while his dad was carrying him out, he looked at Santa and asked Santa what was going on, and Santa told him to get the F out, we're all going to burn. <laughs> Do oh, you ha- Who has a picture of this man? Because he's simultaneously the worst person in the world and my hero <laughs> at the same time. Get the F out, we're all going to burn. This is actually potentially a broader issue that I have as to why comedies aren't funny anymore because real life is just way too hilarious. Like, you can't make that stuff up. And so the comedies just aren't funny. So these are uh, two looking ahead days, which I don't agree with at all. So the day that this comes out on December 19th, it's National Oatmeal Muffin Day. Are you, like, first off, I have, I have issues with this because oatmeal is kind of gross. Oatmeal muffins are even grosser. And why the fuck is there a national day for oatmeal muffins? Um, Did you know that the screaming hairy armadillo does not like rocky areas because it makes it difficult to burrow? So then I have another day because this is, so you want to talk about a topical thing. When you think of pumpkin pie, you don't, you, when do you think of it? Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, it's a Thanksgiving only, honestly. Yeah, well, December 25th is not just Christmas. It's actually, uh, it's also National Pumpkin Pie Day. See, to me, that's a stupid day. Why wouldn't you, I mean, if you're going to pick another major holiday that's going to overshadow it, why don't you go with, why don't you go with Thanksgiving? That's clearly the bigger pumpkin pie day. I couldn't find any reasoning either. It's just been, like, designated as National Pumpkin Pie Day, like, that makes a lot of sense. Do you I, do you have pumpkin pie on Christmas? Christmas is like apple pie or cherry pie, not 
pumpkin pie. What's your next one on the Fast Five? I, 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 I did this research hoping that you know who the real St. Nicholas actually was and who this big red bastard was that, like, you know, created for. I know very little, even though I'm apparently named after him. Wait a minute. You're named after Santa Claus? You know it's St. Nick, right? St. Nick. My name is Nick. <laughs> but you're named after St. Nick? Yeah, who is the guy that was Santa Claus, I'm assuming. Wasn't St. Nick? I don't he think there's was. another Nick. They wasn't like St. Nick, and then they came up with Santa Claus. I would assume that Santa Claus is based after off of St. Nick. He, it is. He, it is. There's been a lot of St. Nicks throughout uh, a life, but uh, that's not true. You just made that up. No, there's no, there's been lots of Saint Nicks. Name two. But no, there's been like six. Okay, well, name two of them. Saint Nicholas of Myra and the Saint Nicholas. Okay. You didn't think touche. I had that one, did you? No, no, I didn't. I thought you were reaching. <laughs> Anyways, getting back to the Fast Five. Uh, so I was pulling some real Saint Nicholas facts. Uh, one of which said that uh, the real St. Nick was a truly rough-and-tumble son of a bitch. He was constantly in and out of jail and was tortured. This says that by the end of his life, his face was pretty much a pulverized shank of lamb. Uh, I ended on uh, a German tradition, as you know I'm German, uh, which I'm not entirely sure a lot of people know of. But uh, way, way back, before we were even thought of, People in Germany came up with a thing called the Christmas pickle. You ever heard of a Christmas pickle? <laughs> no. It's an ornament now, but it used to be an actual pickle. And it would be placed inside the Christmas tree. Whoever found it uh, would get a special gift. You take a pickle and you stick it in the Christmas tree? How hard can it be to find it? Once you're past the age of five, you should be able to find that in less than ten minutes. I guarantee you. I mean, a pickle's a big house. thing. Like, it shouldn't be hard to find a pickle. But it, it but it's not like a big pickle. It's, I told you it's like an inch and a half. It's not very big. That's still not hard to find in a Christmas tree. I, I, I could give you an hour you wouldn't find it on my tree right now. That's a bold statement. How I, big's I'm your just, tree? I'm, I'm, how big? Yeah. I don't know, six feet, six foot, seven foot, I don't know. What kind of diameter are we talking about? Oh, Jesus. I don't know the fucking diameter of my Christmas tree. You could not find it. Then you're not, not Then you're not a real, you're not really a Christmas person. If you can't tell me the diameter of your Christmas tree right now, you don't know anything about trees, and you're not a man. You know what? You keep talking. I, I, I may never, ever show you the uh, yo-yo video. You ever. already promised that you were going to do it. Yeah, for everybody else, but maybe I'll find a way to block you. Did you know that when they eat, because the screaming hairy armadillo mainly eats like worms and stuff like that, they eat a lot of sand, and it's estimated that as much as 50% of the contents of their stomach is actually just sand. All right, let's go ahead and get into our top five, which is the top five, and let's do in order, five to one, worst Christmas gifts. Not ones that okay. you have necessarily just received, but ones you maybe have seen other people get or given yourself. Okay, so my number five is perfume or cologne. Uh, I mean, I don't think that's a terrible gift. Someone is basically telling you how you should smell. Well, what if, like, your wife got you, like, some nice cologne? Yeah, Would it's the same thing. Yeah, a little bit. They're basically telling you they don't like the way you smell. You should smell somewhere else, somehow else. What's your number five? Uh, I have pens or pencils. Oh, that's a good one. That's a stupid gift. We're not talking about, like, fancy colored pencils or something like that, though, right? No, just the old number two and, you know, like, uh, 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 whatever they're called, pen mates or whatever. Just, like, the simple, you know, it's like, oh, here's a box of pencils for you to take to school. Like, oh, thank you so much. Wait a minute. Were they in the stockings or did they wrap them? Uh, usually wrapped. Like, if oh. I have received both these items and they have been wrapped both times. Yeah, you can't wrap that. Like, I can understand that maybe a little bit in the stockings is kind of like, here's some stuff that maybe you might kind of want, but also kind of need. Like, maybe you got them the special kind of pencils that they really wanted. But you can't wrap it and put it under the tree. What's your number four? Uh, 
<laughs> uh, toothbrushes. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. any. I think anything that somebody needs, like underwear, toothbrush, here's some floss, shampoo. Yeah. That's not a good Christmas gift. I, I just, it's like you know, I don't want you know. I don't like name me a kid that wants a toothbrush. I would like to know if any of our listeners have ever really wanted a toothbrush for Christmas. <laughs> I would like to know what the circumstances were. What's your number four? Knockoff gifts. Any kind of thing where you're like, hey, I really want this, and then somebody gets you the cheaper generic alternative that doesn't do the same thing. Like there were years that I asked for a Nintendo Game Boy, but only got one of those like Tiger Game things that was the individual game that's like nine ninety nine. It was never the same thing. <laughs> I remember asking for uh, like certain action figures growing up, and I would never get like the, you know, the actual figure I asked for, but I'd always get like the dollar store, like all plastic one that didn't, you couldn't move their arms or anything. Is it, uh, what's your number? Are we on four or are you on three? What are we on? Uh, no, I, yeah, yeah, I'm on number three. Okay, go three then. <laughs> so my number three, and I, 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 I was generic on this, um, just cause I didn't know how not to be generic, but, uh, it's, Really, any kind of clothing. Let's get into I mean, that a little bit later because I have that higher on my list. Okay. All right. So what, what's your number three? Mine is ornaments or anything that you can't use until the next Christmas. <laughs> it's like, why did you give it to me like today? What are you going to do with it now? Like, here's an ornament for my trip to Buffalo. Thanks. <laughs> if you get a gift and the only reason that you don't immediately give it away is because that person who gave it to you you know that they're someday going to ask about it how long will you end up keeping that gift i mean forever i guess i, I i've never thrown away one of those types of gifts wow i'll go like a month and then i'm gonna chuck it <laughs> just fucking throw it away just straight to goodwill or salvation army or wherever i may even in my older age i may even go next day like if you give me something that i know that i don't want and i'm never going to use I may take it to Goodwill or the Salvation Army December 26th. My number two is a picture or card. Okay, kind of goes similar with my number two, which I have as, as calendars. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah calendar is no. a worthless thing. Like, Especially now. What the fuck am I going to do with this? <laughs> like, no one, no one hangs a calendar. I like nobody. We actually have one in our house, and my wife gets a calendar every year. <laughs> well, of course you do. Of course you and your family does. But well, here's most the... people who have technology uh, don't have wall calendars anymore. Well, here's the problem. The first year, she got a Mario game calendar that had different Mario games every single month, and that was a solid calendar. But ever since then, it's been really downhill, and I don't have the I don't have the heart to tell her. <laughs> I can you hear that right well, now? Can you hear this? She just heard me and is banging on the window behind me. Oh boy! Oh well, that's looks like you're gonna have some explaining to do, Saint Nick. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Explain your calendar choices. <laughs> I try every year to do a good job on something that was meaningful to us that year. And, yeah, Mario was a solid choice, and it, it is slipping, but... Can, 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 can you give us a, a, a hint as to what the calendar will be? She's already she's already gone back inside. Ah, oh, damn it. I had a great joke lined up. All right. I'll oh, okay, hold on. Let's hear the joke. Well, she's gone now. No, she's back. It's not that big of a house. No, she she has to. Can she give us a hint as to what the calendar may be this this year? I think I've really stepped it up. So I'll I'll leave you with that. Yes or no doesn't involve uh, shirtless firemen. No. Would you right. appreciate a calendar of me shirtless? Are you asking John? <laughs> I'm asking yes. both of you. <laughs> both of you. I I'd even buy one. Why not? John. Maybe. 
I'd like to thank you, John, for a solid commit on the, you know what? I'll tell you what, if you can get 50,000 views of your yo-yo tricks video, I will make a shirtless me calendar. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that's such a challenge that I want to win and I know I won't, but I want to so bad. Okay. You're on. That's a deal. You're on. I think this is the greatest idea we've ever had. But like, uh, but like, I I get to pick how the pictures are taken and what scenery they're taken with. Um, I'll give you I'll give you half of the months. Yes. Okay. What well, did you already do? Your number two. My number one is uh, perishable food items. That's uh, wait like a minute. Banana sausages, spam, macaroni and cheese. How are you gonna? How are you gonna look somebody in the face after you've gift wrap a can of spam? Like who? How are you gonna fucking do that, dude? I I can tell you from experience that it may be the most depressing gift you'll ever receive. You're like, oh man, it's like it's hard and it's heavy and you know and it's 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 thick. This must be something great. And then you open it up, and there's a fucking spam. <laughs> That's rough. I mean, look, but you were a man who did like to smoke meats, right? I I still like to smoke meat. What kind of meat do you like to smoke? Is it better to smoke a bigger, harder meat? <laughs> Listen, calendar boy, we're not. We're, I'm not falling for that one. Every time I get to say that, even though it's immature, I love it. <laughs> I love it, and then you always repeat it. Uh, but in, let's let's be honest, since you know about this, is it better to smoke a harder meat? And <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> no, because you know what I you know what I have to say, and it's going to sound absolutely horrific. Just get it over with. No, softer meats are better to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and now I will f- I'm going to get fired. That's going to be co- that's going to become viral. That will be the only thing that people take away from this episode is what I just said. Listen, I th- I want to be very clear that John and I are not prejudiced or at least we don't think that we're prejudiced in, in any way about sexuality or anything like that. But you got to admit that that is kind of funny. And if you can't admit that that's kind of funny then I don't know then then apologies to you. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's funny. I mean, you can't smoke hard meats. Like, that's why you have to let the meat thaw out, and then you have to give it a nice beating. And you gotta get you got to get it all rubbed up and primed for the smoker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm clipping that. <laughs> okay, my number one, my number one is unwanted clothes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like my number three. It's, some clothes are fine, but it's always like, when you get like a pair of sweatpants that are individually wrapped and they're like from Kmart and you can tell other people have tried them on and the tags are even missing. I had at one point, I am not kidding you, because this is what my mother would buy me. I had probably 15 pairs of regular khakis of different sizes in my closet. <laughs> of course you did. Like I can just see your closet basically because you always – you always wear the same fucking dress shirts. I swear to God, you have to only have four dress shirts. I like what I like. The ridiculous thing is that with my job, I get a clothing allowance that I almost can't even spend, and I still wear basically the same five shirts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're like my father, who wears, he'll buy the same pair of shoes for the rest of his life. You buy the same dress shirt just like once every two or three months. But you buy the same exact design and the same exact color. I know what I like. And you still wear ankle socks. I don't understand that one either. First of but, all, don't uh, I wear ankle socks and dress shoes. I step it up. <laughs> and you you own it, which I love. So I'm not afraid. I got nice ankles. <laughs> if there's one... Yeah, co- well, you know, uh, what, what, what's the worst Christmas gift you've ever received? 
Oh, it's got to be the khakis, man. I still, I can, I can honestly envision in my mind exactly what they look like. And my mom would be like, "You got two pairs, but mom, these are thirty four, thirty twos, and I'm 12. <laughs> That's awesome. And you've never been bigger than a than a twenty four, anyways. No, I'm I'm a solid thirty two, thirty. You're a thirty, man. You got long, you got long legs for a little guy. I mean, I don't know why you refuse to admit that I'm five eight and three quarters. <laughs> if you're five eight and three quarters, and I only weigh 175 pounds, well, how much do you weigh right now? That's irrelevant to anything that that is that we're talking about. Here's my other question: Is there any chance that your current body type could in in interfere with the yo-yo tricks? No, Nick, my belly is not uh, is not that far out yet to where it's going to interfere. Though, if it was that bad, I would just include it in the trick and make up one that no one has any idea what I'd be doing anyways. Okay. Can we get a heart rate monitor on you for the yo-yo tricks to see if it ever crosses <laughs> to see if it crosses one seventy? <laughs> oh my god, that would be. Uh... <laughs> That would be horrific if my heart rate goes above 110. That's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. Again, I want to thank Ryan O'Shea and Brian David Johnson so much for joining us. We've linked to them on all of our social media accounts. We're Profoundly Pointless on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget, if you want to hear more of our interview with them, because there is a lot more, and I think they get into some really interesting stuff, we're posting... Those interviews up on our YouTube page, also Profoundly Pointless. Check out all of the things that they're doing. It's really fascinating. All of the research and the different stuff that could be coming in the future. We also need to continue to continue to demand from John Shull the Yo-Yo Tricks video. Coming up next episode, that is going to be our 25th episode. And we, I've said this before, but we really want to start working more listener stuff into the episodes. So we're going to start doing that. That, that is my New Year's resolution. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. It really helps us out. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.